I decided to go to Aventine because I believed in the Republic, in its dream for humanity. On Aventine, I was an engineer. My job was to make sure that we had the water we needed. I wanted to build a second home for all of us. Aventine changed me over those nine years. I met my husband there. We built a life together, a family. My son Selim was born on Aventine. It was the only home he ever knew. Aventine became the most important place in my life. But the Republic and its dream for a better future always came first. After the war began, I stayed at my post. I knew there were risks, but I stayed because there was still work to be done. Because I couldn't give up on our dream for the future. When the bombs fell on my home, I blamed myself for choosing to stay, for putting my family at risk. And I blamed the rebels on Aventine. I thought they had to be responsible for this, for bombing a village full of people who were loyal to the Republic and its ideals. Through all my time on Aventine, I never stopped believing in the Republic. I believed in it the day I moved to Aventine. I believed in it the day the war started. And I believed in it the day that President Torres ordered his strike. The day he cost me my family. I still believe in the Republic. I always will. My question for President Torres is... Do you... That... that wasn't what I said. Those are all your words, Nasir. Yes, but you... you cut some of them out. You... you made it sound like he's... Look. We're trying to stop a war to save thousands of other families from going through what you have. And do you really think that people are going to side with someone whose husband betrayed the Republic? What if someone finds out? He doesn't want it getting out either. Besides, I have to believe that there are people on Aventine who want peace too. If not, well, this wasn't going to work anyway then. Ma, I... Nasir, listen to me. It's going to be better this way, okay? Trust me. Welcome to World's Way, an actual play storytelling podcast. I'm your game master, John Ossip, and with me today, we've got Haley Daria. Hello. Lauren Woolbanks. Absolute bloodbath. Oh, yeah. Michael Morales. Yep. And Moshtara. Happy Pride. So, 
a couple big things just happened here on the show. Uh, we finally got to Ascension Station, which is this kind of city in space that serves as the central trading hub of The Verge. The team finished its first mission on Consus, and maybe most importantly, we have been introduced to the Valiant, which is the ship of the Minerva Project. So very excited for that. But now with the first mission behind us, today's episode is going to be a little different. So for me, at least, a big part of this genre that I want to capture is kind of this sense of discovery and adventure with the crew getting to explore new places. But I also wanted there to be somewhere that was more constant that we can keep going back to. Um, So we kind of built Ascension Station as this home base for the crew during the campaign um, and also as the spot where the Minerva Project is headquartered. And so, well, there might be some exceptions. Generally, after each mission ends, we're going to have space for a kind of downtime episode back on Ascension Station. Um, And that's also where we're going to take care of the mechanical stuff that Impulse Drive does after each mission ends, but also let the crew explore Ascension and kind of catch up with each other without the pressure of an ongoing mission. So today, it's going to be the first of these kind of downtime episodes I think I want to start with experience points and leveling up. So excited for that. And then we can jump between kind of talking about the ship and the upgrades you can get for that. And also um, doing some scenes for each of you here on Ascension. Sounds good for everyone? Yep. Great. Awesome. So starting off with XP, we already talked about one way to get XP and impulse drive. For some of you, we talked about this more than others. And that is every time you get a six or less and fail a roll. Mo's doing a dance. This is a very, uh, uh, not a visual medium here. I want it noted that I stole Lauren's dance. So I am going to yeah, amplify yeah, my colleague Lauren. Lauren did the dance and I was Lauren's backup dancer. I appreciate the amplification. But yeah, so, so every time you get a six or less and you fail, you get one experience point. But also, for those of you who are more successful, after each mission ends, we kind of go through a list of questions, which is what Impulse Drive calls the cliffhanger move. And essentially, these questions ask about how things went on the mission. And then based on our answers, we might get more experience for the crew. The first of these questions, though, is actually more focused on each of us individually. And those are about an aspect of our character that are called hooks. You can think of hooks as sort of complications for each of the characters. Um, These are aspects of your background or your personality that might lead to you acting in a way that makes things messier for the crew. It's up to each player when the situation arises, whether or not a hook applies or whether their character is able to kind of ignore it. But if you do apply a hook, what that typically means is either that the hook just kind of dictates what bad thing happens under those circumstances, or else you might have to roll with disadvantage to kind of overcome the hook, which means that you roll three dice and you take the bottom two numbers that. So Mara, I know you kind of already directly mentioned one of your hooks during the last arc so i'm thinking maybe we can start with you so when we do cliffhanger uh this impulse drive move you begin by going and reading off your three hooks so uh, let's hear about mara's hooks yeah so for mara um her hooks would be solving the big problems is the most important thing i can do i won't let relationships with others stand in the way hook number two i've grown accustomed to order and structure which is the one you guys have heard I get stressed when things go off script. Uh, for hook three, I respect hard work and can't contain my disdain for slackers. Awesome. So, okay, so the first question is kind of for you, Mara, but also for everyone at the table, which is, do we think one of these hooks applied to 
impact events or the character during the last arc. Uh, so what are we thinking about that? I'm going to vote yes, as I explicitly <laughs> mentioned them. <laughs> yeah. Everyone on board with that? Okay. Oh, order yes. and structure one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So go ahead and mark one XP, Yay. Mara. I have a question, though. Um, yes. So if I say I was like really very challenged uh, and yeah, applied sure. all three hooks during an arc, do I get three points or is it just apply a hook and you get Yeah, one? it's just if one or more of them applied in the last arc, you get one XP. Okay. So you can't like Got double it. up on it, if that makes nope, sense. That's perfectly fine. What, one thing I will say, though, is if a hook applies and you get disadvantage as a result of mm -hmm. that you are kind of more likely to get to fail a role. So obviously not great narratively speaking at the time. Right. I, mean, I think maybe interesting narratively, but you do also then get an XP if that happens. Right. So kind of the hooks work in that way as yeah. well. Cool. And then also at, at this time, you can remove any hooks that you feel are no longer relevant and write new hooks uh, to sort of fill in that gap. But any, any you want to change out now? Or are you good with what you have? Uh, I think I'm going to stick with what I have for now. Um, and we'll see next arc if um some new relationships are crumbling or good perfect and and obviously things can come up as we play too that might be a reason to switch them out and we can do that at the time this is just kind of a oh, one okay, opportunity perfect. to yeah. take stock so Definitely. um cool all right uh who do you want to call on to go next i'll, I'll let you okay. kind of pick i am going to call on mike let's see what arno has done this arc yeah. Um, so my three hooks are, uh, I have faith in Admiral Mendoza. I know that she will always put her team in the mission first. Uh, Nasir's sense of duty makes him a pawn. I'll show him that his handlers are failing him. And I don't respect people <laughs> who haven't proven themselves. Yeah, I was suspicious until the last run. But um, are we all in agreement that one of these hooks applied at least oh, in the last absolutely. arc at this yep. point? Yeah. Um, I think last episode you really... <laughs> <laughs> really uh nailed that one mike so yeah go ahead mm -hmm. and mark yeah go ahead. i knew i should have looped that prayer candles are emerald mendoza i didn't want there to be any doubt until that last <laughs> yeah yeah so go ahead and uh mark an xp arno yep and then again same question uh that i have for mara any of these that you want to swap out at this point or, or are we good for now no i think i'm good okay all right who's uh who's going next then uh nasir all right mom all right. Uh, so my hooks are my past choices have cost me dearly. I try to push major decisions onto others. Many underestimate the horrors of war. I can't help but lash out when I hear it. And I have a secret that could ruin me if exposed. And I'll do anything in my power to prevent that. All right. So do we think, and Mo, you can kind of indicate which one or, or if any, but do you think one or more of these hooks applied to impact events or your character in the last arc? I'd actually be interested to hear everybody else's opinion on this. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't really think so. Actually, I'm a. I'm a strikeout here and say I don't know. That's if, fair. I don't yeah. think so either. I, yeah. I was interested to say hear other people's takes, but I don't think that they've come into play yet. Well, that last okay. one's hard to assess, right? Because it's like right. you yeah. have to start acting shady, and then people have to be like, "Is it a big secret?" I definitely don't know meta information about your character that would suggest that it's a big secret, right? Yeah. I'll say, um, I think with the ending of the last episode, that one might be more relevant moving yeah. forward. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Okay. So second question then, Mo, any of these that you want to swap out at this point or, okay, I'm seeing you shaking your head now. So, yep. Nope. These are all still good. Awesome. Okay. All right. Haley, you want to bring it home? 
Yeah. So my hooks are people outside of the Sato Institute can never understand what we do. I avoid questions about indexing and the Institute however I can. Second one, nobody can tell me what I'm capable of. If challenged, I'll do whatever is necessary to turn the tables on them. Third one, people are happier thinking their accomplishments are their own. I often try to help without their knowledge. All right. So same questions for you, which is, do we think any of these impacted events or your character in the last arc? Um, I mean, I think some of these, I acted in accordance with these in a couple different points. So I would vote yes, but also curious to, to see what other people think. The one that jumps out to me for that is the first one in the scene where Nasir was asking about Austin and what happened there. But, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm definitely interested in hearing what everybody else thinks, too. That one I actually attributed more to like, oh, um, uh, people's accomplishments should seem like their own because oh, you kind of yeah. like because you have brought up the Sato Institute. I think that one more aligns with. Yeah. Like I just said, um, you were just, oh, you know, I was just being nice, whatever. Yeah. All right. So maybe go ahead and mark. Uh, so I guess we, we agree that one or, or it seems like there's yeah. agreement that one or more of them applied, even if <laughs> we're not unanimous mm-hmm. on which one. So go ahead and mark an XP. And then that is, I just want to be clear. That is my first XP. Congratulations. They're, my God. Very excited for you. Mm-hmm. Any uh, any of these that you think are no longer relevant or that you want to swap out at this point? No, I want to keep going with these for now. All right, cool. And again, you know, if things come up in the story that might cause us to want to change them, we can definitely just do that. I don't, I don't think we need to be tied to just this, but good to kind of go through them all. All right. So that is it for the hooks. So now that we're done with that, these next questions are kind of for the whole table and we're going to answer them as a group. So the first one is, did we complete a mission or contract? So essentially that is, did we succeed yep. at what we set out to do? But yes. Yes, yes, we did. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So then everyone go ahead and mark one XP. Woo. That's five. There you go. All right. So we'll come back to that in a second. Uh, but Mike, you can go ahead and clear that and let's just remember that you got to five. Cool. The next one is, did we learn something new and important about the universe? If so, what? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We learned about the secret ship and the symbology with the Zai and the like the conspiracy is is growing. We also learned, frankly, in this arc that like Contra Matter is disappearing. Uh, That's true. Which is I guess something did. very new and important. Mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about the, that that the first episode is in fact a part of this arc. But yeah, I guess that's fair to say that we definitely learned. I also uh, think on yeah. like a on a smaller level, like there was kind of a a frame shift from the way that the Minerva project was presented at the beginning and to what, like yeah. how we were actually received. Um, so I, I'd like, I'd offer that one up as well. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and mark another there XP. Five. All right. And if you got to five, you can again, just uh, clear that and we'll, we'll go and uh, have you level up after this. So then, um, okay. Next question is, did we make a new enemy or thwart an existing enemy and who? We made and thwarted an enemy. Leclerc doesn't like us. Arno. What? Arno made <laughs> us. Arno made us an enemy, and her name I don't is Leclerc. <laughs> what? Also, no. Arno literally screamed at everyone in the verge. So I just everyone in the verge. We got we got a a, a new inn at the trap. <laughs> the department of trap and tourism uh, over at Kansas. I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. 
The answer is yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're friends now. We know each other's favorite protein bars. The, That's would, true. Do you know that about your enemies? Absolutely not. Come so maybe on. everyone yes. else is an enemy of Leclerc, but you know, Arno, you're best friends with her. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead and mark an XP. I'm just going to lay down the hammer on that um, and say you can mark an XP. I think there are other potential nominees for enemies too, but at least that one. Um, okay. And then the last question is, was there a big moment that hinged on a crucial role? And if so, what was that? Oh, I think so. Well, what are you thinking, Mike? I think there are two. Um, one is trying to leverage the relationship with Leclerc and the security lines to try to force a negotiation between her and the workers. And then the second is Mara rolling to uh, make sure to actually like, hack and crack the security system. So we had like a fail safe in there to like keep Leclerc in check. Any other no- nominations for the crucial role? Um, I would say my uh, role to talk to Austin and get him to calm down. Yeah. Oh, also your role for like thwarting the uh the drone that was going to (laughs) oh yeah yeah. doing my martial arts on the drone. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I think everyone go ahead and mark XP. Yeah. Even I have now leveled up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Awesome. So everyone, I think. So I think everyone leveled up then, if correct. So okay. So now we can go through and do that. So I think Mike, you were the first one to actually hit the five mark. So and start with you. So when you get five experience points, um, you can Mm. take what Impulse Drive calls an advance. Mm. And that means that you can either get a new a new move that's specific to your archetype. So this is something that you can do just for your character class under certain circumstances. You can also do other things like increase the modifiers for some of your roles or also expand the number of gear slots. Um, So these are kind of options that are on your playbook that you can pick. So, Mike, what are you thinking for your uh, advance here? Um, I'm going to take a a plus one to calculating. Okay. So that's going to bring you from a zero to a plus one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so go ahead and do that. And then, and then there's also a little checkbox in the top corner. So you can click that. Yep. So each of your approaches, you can upgrade them using an advance to add one to the number, but you can only do that one time per advance. So that, that Mm -hmm. plus one in calculating is kind of the highest that that will go, but yeah, you can Mm -hmm. do that. Awesome. All right. Uh, Mo, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, a move that we designed for the icon called Of the People. Oh, cool. Let's see. Uh, so whenever I make a person feel like they share a real connection with me, I roll plus slick. Uh, on a 10 plus, I get to pick three. On a seven to nine, I get just one. And so it's the questions. There's a bunch of questions here, uh, including is your character telling the truth? What is your character truly feeling? What is your character intent to do? How could I get your character to blank? And what does your character wish I'd do? Uh, and these apply to NPCs and to other player characters. Awesome. Oh, gotcha. Cool. All right. Really like that. Um, Lauren, you want to go next? Yeah, I think I am going to also take a move. Um, cool, cool. And so the one I'm going to take is Study Bug. Oh, so- cool. The description on this guy is when you have plenty of time and relative safety to study an artifact, strange device, or a unique piece of culture you don't yet understand, ask the SM a question and they will answer it. I feel like All that right. one's going to come in useful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to come up with really big possible responses now. No, I'm just joking. Uh, no, yeah, that's a cool. Well, um, no, I really like that. All right, yeah. Haley. Okay, so I will also be taking a move. So this is for uh, one of the moves for the Mystic called embrace eternity 
So uh, when you gently reach out and mingle your mind with the energies and auras of something living nearby, discharge this move and roll plus alien. And then you get either two questions or one question. And uh, there are questions like, what do you seek? Who or what do you wish to protect? What are you willing to sacrifice for your beliefs? And a few more. Awesome. All right, cool. So that is, I think that's it for XP. So we've all leveled up. I mean, some of you got some more XP too. So we're, we're going to have some more mechanical stuff to address later um, involving the ship. And we're going to talk more about the ship as well. But before we do that, I want to kind of break things up by jumping into a scene. And so Nasir, I'm actually going to start with you. All right. So sometime after your meeting with Maura Shaw, uh, Nasir, you get a message on your slate. And the only contents of this message are an address on Ascension, a time, and what looks like a code for your slate to open a door lock. Uh, Am I alone when I receive the message on my slate? Uh, You you tell me. So I think uh, after the meeting with Morris Shaw, we sort of all probably move into uh, the Valiant. And so we're probably like moving our things onto the ship. I think I'm probably in the process of that when I get the message and I immediately stop what I'm doing. I, I think like I freeze for a second and then mm-hmm. I grab a coat okay. uh, and I just sort of immediately collar up like head into the station and head to okay. the address to make it on time. Yeah. So you, you do that. I think you kind of make your way back out of the Republic diplomatic complex there. And following the address that was on the slate, uh, you go ahead and you take the people mover that kind of orbits the station on the inside of the ring. And actually, at this point, um, I can go ahead and share you, share my screen, show like a rough version of the map of the station. Woo, maps. I have this. So I have a a kind of transit map here inspired by my home city. But this is, uh, yeah, so you get on this this transit system and you take... um, you get off at the station for what's called Darden Park, which is kind of this open green space inside the within the ring of the station. And sort of to the outside of that, there are there are several other buildings, but but a bunch of them are homes for kind of more permanent residents of Ascension. Find that address, which is kind of a, a number and a block code to kind of divide up the buildings on Ascension. You reach this building that has a very plain exterior and a kind of simple front door. And going through that, you climb a flight of stairs uh, to a narrow hallway and reach apartment 2C, which was part of the address that was on your slate. Uh, so what do you do standing outside the door? Uh, I stand there for about 30 seconds. Then I knock. Okay. You knock. And I think you have to wait another like 30 seconds. And... You see, like, a figure open the door, but they're just inside. What do you do? I try to move into the doorway. Okay. So you walk in, and I think the door, like, quickly shuts. And standing behind the door, you see who we all recognize as Ramon Herrera, the Aventine vice consul. But he's no longer wearing the uniform that he was wearing. Um, and is instead wearing civilian clothes, just a simple shirt, slacks, um, and I think a, a jacket. Uh, my heart is pounding in my chest so hard that I can hardly breathe. 
Yeah. Um, and it's good to see you alive. He looks up and just, it's hard to describe if this is like anger or frustration in his eyes, but he says, I can't believe you'd agreed to this after everything. What the hell were you thinking, Nasir? I came to make sure that people stayed safe. I came to make sure that there was no more war. He kind of scoffs at that and walks into the living room of this apartment. And I guess guess actually I want to turn it over to you to describe this now. So this apartment that he's in, it's kind of deliberately designed to look dated or retro for the year that this is. So maybe it's like designed to look like 50 years in the past, but it's kind of like that's the style that's in now. But I want to ask you, like, what does that look like sort of uh, in terms of the furniture, what the apartment looks like? So I think that uh, the walls are sort of like a sleek, light, like gray, mostly, uh, but that there is sort of uh, like there's a lot of like plants and like portraits sort of hanging. Uh, So it's uh, like a furbished space, essentially, but like on a space station. Uh, but it's designed to have a sort of like homey feel, like a very like lived in feel, welcome feel. I think the furniture is probably where the color comes from. So like, I think the furniture is like soft. I think it is like almost velvet textured, uh, like a very just like, you know, sort of like not quite shag, but like like a mm-hmm. very soft textured furniture that is like like a this is almost oxymoronic, but like a bright jewel tone. So like okay. a, uh, like a bright deep blue or like uh, forest green kind of deal, uh, so that it like doesn't clash, but that it like adds a pop of color. And then I think that like all of the furniture is like wood and fabric in like stark contrast to the walls. Yeah. So I think if there's like a chair in the living room, he sits down in the chair, and uh, there's probably space either like on a couch or other chairs for you to sit down as well. But he sits down, and sort of as he's sitting down, he says. You have to understand how much this complicates things for us, for me and for you. I didn't expect that I would find you as soon as I came back. I assumed you would be on Aventine. You had to know that there was a risk of this. I understood that it was a risk, but given that nothing has happened in the past few years, I assumed it wouldn't be a challenge. And I I think as he continues to be like, sort of frustrated or like exasperated or condescending mm-hmm. my uh temperament is rising okay right so like my irritation level is rising as he continues to sort of be a jerk yeah so he um i think he's just kind of like takes that in for a minute but he says so you really think that you're here to bring peace i think i'm here to prevent war He kind of just shakes his head and he says, I thought that you would have seen this, that this Minerva project is only going to do the opposite. At this point, I am pissed and Mm -hmm. I'm like, you hardly know what the Minerva project's about. He says, enlighten me. We're here to keep things from devolving. This isn't some political stunt. There are real challenges in The Verge and we are here to address them. All of them. I don't think he laughs, but I think he kind of like shakes his head as if amused or just like unable to kind of uh, know how to respond to the situation. 
And he says, what do you think is going to happen if the Republic actually wins this vote? Do you think that Kiros and the hardliners back on Aventine are going to accept this? Do you think that if the Verge decides to go independent, that Torres will take it sitting down? We both have those problems, and either way the vote goes. The question's not whether there's going to be a war. The only question is who starts it. I don't think we have to be worried about who's going to start the war. I think we have to be worried about how we keep people safe. You used to agree with me on that, Matteo. It's Ramon now. I can see that. He kind of just sighs for a second and then stands up from the chair and sort of walks to the window. And he says, I'd tell you to head back home, but I'm guessing that's out of your hands. So while you're out there, think about whether you're really bringing peace, whether you're really keeping people safe, or if you're just helping Earth win the next war over the verge. So I think I sit on the couch for about 30 seconds silently while he stares out the window after he says that. And I stare at him. And I think my eyes will drift down to his left hand. Mm-hmm. And now I have a question for you, John, which is what do I see when I look at his hand? I think you look down and, well, let me ask you this. What does Nasir expect to see? I think actually Nasir's worst fear is that it's still there. Yeah. That like, that this, that he can't just be done with this. Like the decision is still on the table is I think his worst fear. Yeah. Right? That this, that this isn't a closed chapter. So he is almost, he's like praying for the pain. You know what I mean? Because like that means it's over. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that like, that's, that's, he's looking down and he, he doesn't really want it, but like, he it's it's the best outcome is like that he's about to get hurt yeah and i do think that that is what happens um and that i think when he's standing there he has his hands held in front of him and then you see his left hand move to his side and it is just the color of his skin and you no longer see the mulberry color that it used to be when i see that his hand is clear that he mm-hmm. is sort of like he's got a, his hand plain um, my eyes start to water and like a single tear rolls down mm-hmm. uh, and I stand up I'll keep that in mind Ramon and I walk out So at the end of the last episode, we introduced everyone to the Valiant, uh, which is the ship that we designed for the crew during character creation. So we kind of briefly talked about what the outside of the Valiant looks like, um, which is this kind of long, sleek ship uh, with a pair of sloped wings kind of toward the back. The hull is this light metal. Um, It's kind of iridescent, but when it's in the light, you can see that the underlying color is this kind of rose gold. Uh, maybe closer to gold than pink, but definitely a bit of both in there. We also talked about what rooms we wanted on the ship and kind of the the general layout of those. Um, and after we did the ship setup, Haley actually put together a pretty awesome floor plan for the ship. So I'm going to pull that up now for everyone. But Haley, you want to actually go ahead and walk through maybe each of the decks and kind of just describe 
top level uh what rooms we kind of see on each and and sort of the general layout of the ship yeah absolutely so the ship has four decks the topmost deck is the command deck so that's going to have uh the bridge um at the very front it's uh it's got the airlock captain's quarters and officer's quarters as well as a ward room which is you know essentially like a conference room so um And then on the second deck, uh, or the the lower, the next one down, uh, that's the crew deck. And that has, it's got the crew quarters, the rec room, a mess, um, and some other storage. <laughs> the engineering deck is the next one down. So that one's going to have, uh, it's got an engine room um, and just a bunch of different ship systems, a med bay. So uh, life support, things like that. And then the lowest deck is the vehicle bay. So that one, it's uh, the, the main feature there is there's a lift that kind of descends down and that allows um, vehicles or people to come onto the ship. And um, other than that, there's just, you know, space for, uh, for things to be stored and parked. Awesome. So in Impulse Drive, just like how each character has a playbook or a character sheet, the ship also has its own playbook. And for the Valiant, we designed a custom playbook called the Pathfinder. The idea behind this is that the Minerva Project crew is kind of caught in the middle of several factions. And even though you have this secret mission, which is about the anomalies in the Verge, you still depend on your reputation um, and kind of public support to succeed in that. Um, and so the kind of main move for the ship that we look to after the end of each mission, it's what we call public perception. And so I'll read that now. So as an example of harmony in the midst of competing factions, your public perception is your greatest asset, but it only takes a second for the narrative to turn against you. Um, And then there's a space to describe what makes your crew popular among the public and the press. Um, Mo, do you want to read that box on the ship playbook? It's called Distinction. Yes, Distinction. Inspiring for humanity's future, turning the page on conflict, hope for reconnection, a source of much-needed support. Awesome. So yeah, so that's kind of, again, what um, makes the um, Minerva Project crew and the Valiant popular amongst the various factions in The Verge. But when you complete or fail a mission, and also when you complete uh, what's called an episode strain, which is kind of a event that might come up in the course of an episode or an arc, you go ahead and mark a burn in what's called the fourth estate fuse. So a, a lot of other um, Powered by the Apocalypse games have similar mechanics to this. They might be called clocks. Impulse Drive calls them fuses. This is sort of a, a series of ticks that you check off as Uh, something gets closer to usually something bad that happens so in this case at the end of each mission we add a tick to this fourth estate fuse Um, and once we get to five ticks it says the press turns against you and you mark disfavored and when disfavored is checked all of your moves to upgrade the ship you have to roll all of those at disadvantage wait so uh, am i reading this correctly in that any completion of any mission automatically gets us closer to being disfavored by the press Yes, I think it's so even more if of, we succeed, that's correct. So what what this is, is it's kind of you can kind of think of it this way is like, oh, have you and, and well, this is another thing, though, is you can use part of your kind of post mission upgrades to 
reset that fuse, right? So you can kind mm-hmm. of think of this as like, oh, are you feeding the beast is kind of how we imagine this. Like, are you doing things to kind of engage and like increase your reputation? If you do that, then it resets, right? But otherwise, you kind of only have so much time before they might decide, okay, even though you're succeeding in these missions, you know, we're going to paint you in a negative light um, and kind of hinder the ability for you to get these resources. So the ship also has a bunch of upgrades that you can get after the end of the missions. So I'm not going to go through all the options now, but during setup for the ship, you got to pick two to start with. Um, and, and the ones that we picked were adding shields to the ship. And so this is the ability to kind of block one attack against you. And then there's also a sensor array, which gives you some benefits when you're using the ship to scope it out. But at this point, I think it's time to talk about the ship payment move. Um, which is kind of how you get these upgrades for the ship and the crew, and also how you can reset some of those fuses we were talking about earlier. So for the ship payment move, after the end of each mission, one of us is going to roll two dice, um, sort of just like any other move. But the modifier is kind of based on how things are going for the crew. Um, And for the Pathfinder specifically, this move, the ship payment move, is called show of support. And the way that we determine that modifier is based on how the various factions um, in the game react to the events of the last arc. So to kind of determine the modifier, we start at negative one, and then we're going to add or subtract to that number based on how each faction reacts. So if somebody kind of liked how things went for you in the last arc, we add one to the score. And if they disliked how things went, we'll subtract one. But the default is kind of is neutral. So we sort of neither add or subtract. So at the bottom here, I have five kind of major factions listed out the first is the minerva project itself so we can think of this as maura shaw sasha green um, and the team that's kind of trying to figure out the anomalies and do that main mission that you're on the second faction is evelyn lee and the doves so this is the part of the republic that is pushing for peace in the verge kind of above all else next down we have the fleet and the hawks Um, so this is sort of the group within the republic that's pushing for strength of the Republic and probably still unity, but maybe unity through any means necessary rather than uh, necessarily a peaceful solution. Then the next one we down, we have Aventine. So this is the faction kind of pushing for an independent verge and a stronger Aventine. And then finally we have the rest of the verge. So they're maybe kind of more undecided between unity and independence, but looking to figure out the best path forward for them. So, Starting with the Minerva project, I want to kind of go down this list and ask the group, how do we think that they felt about the events of the last arc? I'd say neutral. Hmm. Um, I think that like in terms of the mission, we definitely advanced our knowledge. Like we got our first real lead, which is a huge thing. But I also think that like the reputation of the Minerva project in the verge took a huge hit when we landed on Ascension Station. I don't know. Can I play devil's advocate? Yeah, here? absolutely. I think that from our conversations with uh, Shaw, he seemed very enthused by the fact that like we're drawing more connections about this. What we're what at least Mara's calling the ghost ship. Yeah. Um. So like I think that we're putting those puzzle pieces together for them. Um. And again, if like the overall intent of the mission is really more about figuring out why. Contra matter is disappearing, then I would say they're they're more pleased with us. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Sasha Green may be personally upset uh, at how some of us handled that situation. 
but <laughs> I think to me that felt like more her personal views rather than like the interest of the the mission to discover more about mm-hmm. um, the Lustra. Yeah. Sure. Mike, what do you think? As someone who is personally offended at how Sasha Green handles her uh, sorry, I don't know if I need to say that because of the call out to me. Um, now, um, I'd be fine with neutral. I do think that we satisfied like the, yeah. the core objectives of the mission, and I don't think being in front of the press was part of the mission personally. Yeah, but like I could also see that like there's definitely a negative consequence to that. I just uh, I don't know how I how I feel about like boxing that in. I also don't know how I feel about leaving it out. Right, so yeah, I'm I'm fine with a neutral. I, uh, maybe I'll be like a like the a tiebreaker. I I do think that even if Sasha Green was is pissed at Arno and that and doesn't like the way that that went down, that kind of the information that you brought back to to Moore Shaw and just advancing the interests of the Minerva Project as a whole were substantial enough to kind of overcome that. So I I think that that um, I think they're happy with that, and and I think that that we can get a plus one for the from the Minerva Project. So that's that. Um, so what about Evelyn Lee and the doves? Can I actually group them together? I have an interesting argument here. Okay, go this. ahead. I think this might be one of the rare instances where the doves and the hawks might be happy at the same time for a largely the same reason. Okay, interesting. Um, in thanking Evelyn Lee, she gets like the credit for the Minerva project coming in and like resolving a labor dispute and getting like the production of uh the, of like um Lustra, excuse me, back on track. And from the perspective of the fleet and the hawks, it's just like Oh, there's probably someone that's aware that like there was a leverage situation over here and that like there's now like alignment and control over the situation, even if like they're not the ones that caused it. Uh, Like having a system that's like under the thumb of the Republic has to be has to feel good for the Hawks. So I only disagree with you on one of those. So I would like to discuss them separately because it's easy. I totally agree. The Republic made out like bandits, right? Like (laughs) they they settled an agreement and uh, it was like like the general people of uh, Consus have a reason to believe that Evelyn Lee directly supported the efforts to get them what they wanted. Mm-hmm. That like Lee and the Doves are pretty pleased with that. There's just there they have nothing but ha- no no reason to be anything but happy. I thought that I I think that we did a good job on Consus, but I think the incident on the station would not make the Doves happy because we did not make we did not further their interests there so i would say neutral for the doves because i think they kind of cancel out yeah i'm interested in what like mo you have to say about the about the hawks but um to me i i had sort of seen the doves as more neutral just because i i I definitely think that what happened on consus was good for the doves that was like 100 percent solid and i also think that what happened on ascension with that like sort of antagonizing Aventine that that was more pushing things toward an adversarial situation. So I did kind of view those as offsetting, but I don't, you know, that's only one view. So I, I actually, I agree with you that the thing on the station was bad, John, I just don't agree that they're comparable, right? Like one bad press cycle versus like settling a labor dispute in a huge way with like a, what was like a 30% preventing a 30% pay cut for like a planet full of people like that is a huge positive yeah. versus a press hit, which is a, a, even if major less substantial negative. Okay. Mm. No, that's fair. All right. So maybe it sounds like, uh, we think Evelyn Lee and the doves like that. So that's another, okay. Um, what about the Hawks and the fleet? Um, I was thinking positive 
because as Mike said, we took a little bit of control of Consus and um, also that that one press cycle uh, was also kind of furthering the uh, the antagonism. So I, I don't see a reason that they would be unhappy with us. But maybe Mo wants to chime in. I was just going to say, I actually view everything that happened on Consus as not impacting the Hawks at all. I don't think that the Hawks, the settling of the labor, it was a settling of a labor dispute, which I don't think the Hawks, generally speaking, would have cared about. Um, to them, it's about the way the vote goes. Should, excuse me. It's not about the way the vote goes. It's just about the Republic getting what it needs. Yeah. And like nothing about that actually results in the Republic getting it what it needs at all. Uh, it just resulted in like better living conditions for the people of the Verge. I do agree, actually, that the press moment is like pro Hawk, like the Hawks love a good fight. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think, like, if it's positive, it's a slight positive in my perspective. So, like, I'm not against giving us the plus, but I just don't think we've done enough to benefit. Like, to me, we haven't done enough to benefit the Hawks yet. Right. Whereas, like, we actively supported the Evelyn Lee campaign. Yeah, I, I think I'd, I kind of agree again, like. Evelyn Lee's Minerva project solved an issue without using violence, intimidation, or extortion, even though we might have done a little bit of all of that. <laughs> um, the way it's presented is that we like showed up and like saved the day. Um, so I f- actually feel like that's kind of a, a strike against the the Hawks. Yeah, there. I mean, I think the thing of it is we showed up, guns pointed at us, resolved a situation with the security system that they could not do on their own. We showed that they needed the Republic's assistance to resolve the situation resolved a labor dispute on top of that and now consus is within the sphere of influence of the republic either publicly or privately but somebody someone where where wrote a report that like oh the situation was they were hostile when we got there and we handled it so thoroughly that not only did we like one up them on their home turf by like disabling these droids that they just couldn't get through we also managed to like keep them under our thumb over here I think for the Hawks, like it's not necessarily just about like this, the media cycle or who's getting credit over here. It's about like control in the verge over here and the influence for the Republic. And I think that to that extent, we got control. We did it. Mission accomplished banner everywhere. I actually want to ask that question to you, John. Like, yeah, is sure. that true? Because like, I don't envision it that way. Right. Like to me, the Hawks and the doves are diametrically opposed foes. And so yeah. like there has to be like we helped Evelyn Lee win reelection. Mm-hmm. We hurt the Hawks cause. Right. Unless yeah, that's exactly. unless I'm wrong. Yeah. About that. No, I, I think I think that that's true for sure. In the sense of I think there are ways that both could be happy. I don't want to say that there's never a circumstance, but I think that that's right where it's like, oh, if this is publicly good for Evelyn Lee and her reelection effort and the idea of, oh, the vote and this is the way forward. But that's not what the Hawks like. I think the Hawks think that the vote is not going to work. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that that is, you know, I think you're right about that. I do think that, you know, I think what you said, Mike, is right about, oh, maybe they understanding the sphere of influence. I do think that that's a potential positive. And I think that the the stuff on the station, but I think maybe just hearing what everybody says, maybe a way to resolve this is I think it's like Evelyn Lee and the doves that might have been like marginal kind of leaning toward plus one. And maybe this one's kind of both in that in between space. So maybe we can call this one neutral and it's kind of like offsetting that. Yeah. Um, yep. If that works. I'd be I'd be a OK with neutral. All right, cool. So then next is Aventine. So what do we think they thought about that? Most of thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs yeah. down. Bummer. Yeah. They're pissed okay. we're Absolute here. Bummer. They're pissed we're here. And there is a particular deputy consulate who's pissed I'm here. That's true. <laughs> and that's, um, that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, okay. So that happened. Um, and then what about The Verge? 
as a whole. And this is kind of like everybody else and the idea of how is the population of the Verge, including all of the kind of various subgroups within that, like what are we thinking? Um, how does that shake out in the wash in terms of their take on what the Minerva Project has done so far? What does Space Nate Silver have to say about the priorities of the people in the Verge? <laughs> right, right. Do they care more about the labor or do they care about like independence over here? Well, that's actually, I have a, I have an electoral vote question, which yeah, yeah, is... Sure. Uh, oh yes, this is the content yeah, people yeah. crave. Thank you. This is why you're Which here. Which is yeah. what is the population of Consus relative? Because like, what do I? I think the general verge negative. I hmm. think Consus positive, right? Like, I think I've already made the point that yeah, what happened on exactly. Consus outweighed the negative impact to the our reputation on Consus and on yeah. in the Republic. But I think that that's probably not true anywhere else in the Verge, yeah. particularly given the Verge being a highly independent place. I am not of the belief that unless we are actively seeking to gain fourth estate benefit from our work on a particular colony, that it's going to have like massive impact on other colonies. Right. Because like they don't, they're not all super interlinked. I think maybe I'm wrong. Right. I, well, I, th- I think you're right that the verge is like independent of itself. I, I don't think that this is what you meant, but I just want to clarify. I think the verge is kind of divided between like planets that want to be independent of the Republic and planets that want to be a part of the of Republic or, or even people within those planets. Right. So in that sense, mm-hmm. even though, Oh, you do something unconscious that doesn't necessarily affect things on another planet of the verge. It's like, Oh, if they're seeing the Minerva project going out and doing things and actually helping, you know, even if you haven't gotten to them yet, I, d- I don't see them as like, I think that that's at least a slight positive, you know? So mm-hmm. I will say that, but also then, you know, I don't know how they, how we think they took what happened on Ascension as well. So it's kind of a mix, I think. Uh, so, I mean, like here, let me think of this way. If, like there's anybody that's assessing this critically, then they see that like Earth and Aventine are like fighting again. Oh, no. Everyone's yeah. shocked and surprised about that. But like Aventine is complaining that like the Republic came in, fixed a labor problem that like Aventine didn't solve for anyone on Consus. Uh, so it's just a lot of eye rolling of like, I, I guess like it's like that partisan bickering. It's like, oh, they're just complaining that these people did a good job is the way that I would charitably yeah. spin that like yeah was it a clown car in a show sure but this, is anyone surprised that we're scobbling probably not but i also don't think that we're gonna get favorable coverage right like you said mm. that's the way you would favorably spin it i think that the perception of us is neutrally negative right it's minus one to start not just mechanically but like these people are voting on whether or not to be independent of the republic that doesn't that it definitionally means that they're not looking at a republic envoy as mm. like at, like with favorable eyes, right? At best, absolute best, we get neutral. Mm. I think you're making an assumption there that we don't have the answer to. Is like you're saying that they're looking to to split. We don't know that. We know the vote could split, but we don't know that they're actively looking for it. Yeah, I think what we do know is when the campaign starts. I think we think that the verge is leaning, or if we looked at the verge as a whole, it's leaning more towards splitting than rejoining the republic. Right. But that said. I don't want to be like, oh, well, you come into all of these with like a negative, right? I think like mm. the reason why Aventine disliked the way the last mission went is you picked a fight with them pretty directly and you sort of publicly touted the Republic and did things to advance the Republic succeeding in the vote on Consus at least, right? Mm. So I think that those are like really specific things in that mission, but it's not like in these uh when we do the ship payment move that aventine is going to be negative on how the last arc went just because they're aventine if that makes sense you know it's i want to look at the specific things in the last mission so you know even though i think you're right mo that they're probably pretty skeptical i want to be kind of oh just looking at what happened in the last arc do we think that that helped the helped the cause 
in my opinion, the stuff on Consus was generally like it was good for Consus. And we made I think we like made a difference there. And I think people on the verge, at least people on Consus are generally favorable towards us. So I think that has to count for something. I do Mm. think that the press moment wasn't great. And I'm not like, you know, there may be people who sympathize with Aventine specifically, but I think just in general, it wasn't a good look um, is how I feel about it. Not that people are like personally feeling like, well, how dare they like, you know, say this about Aventine. I just think it's not a good look. So I would be okay with neutral. I would also be okay with a positive um, because we did some good on Consus. So that's kind of where I land. Maybe a neutral is a good compromise well maybe just to wrap it up let's go around really quick so i have um Haley is either maybe you're positive or neutral and kind of undecided on that lauren where are you at uh i think neutral all right mo i also vote neutral and mike i still think positive okay i think just seeing if Haley you're still ambivalent between those then maybe we land on neutral for that but i, I do i i at least agree that i think it's on the fence between those if you know i might have even said positive but i think uh i'll, I'll kind of defer to the uh the players vote on this so hmm. okay so i think that leaves us with a total of if we start at negative one and we add all the all the positives and the negatives to that that leads us to uh zero so so we'll just do a straight dice roll to sort of determine the ship payment move so to pick who rolls earlier, we talked about who kind of had a, a sort of crucial role that things turned on and we could kind of think of it more broadly as a crucial moment. But I think there were a couple that got brought up where uh, Mike, where Arno kind of uh, had the clutch moment in the last arc. So sort of in the rotation, I'll let you go first. And so go ahead and uh, roll 2d6 and we will see what the outcome is. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh a nine. nine. A nine. All right. Pretty good. So it says when your crew successfully completes a mission and others learn of your deeds, roll plus allegiance, which is what we call that number that's added up amongst all of the factions. And on a seven to nine, your supporters appreciate your work. So you get to choose two upgrades. So I'm going to read the list here and definitely open up to the group to throw out suggestions. But Mike, um, because you were the one that rolled, I'll let you can kind of make the final decisions on this for this arc. So the first option is you spend time or resources improving your public image. Um, and that lets you uncheck disfavored and clear the fourth estate views. So that was that, that first thing we talked about. Mm. Um, you can bring your ship in for service and reset the maintenance views. Um, obviously, no need to do that yet because the ship hasn't been used. You can get the ship patched up and remove damage. Again, uh, nothing to worry about there yet. Um, you can requisition an upgrade for the ship. So this is adding another um, upgrade or part of an upgrade to install on the Valiant. You can requisition a new vehicle, and we should have brought this up before, actually, but um, in the vehicle bay, you did start out with a kind of all-terrain passenger vehicle, so so we can talk about that whenever that comes up. But you already have that to start with, but you could add another vehicle. And then finally, you can also, uh, it says you can collect your salary and have off-duty time to spend it, um, which kind of lets each crew member roll to get individual upgrades. So this could be like gear, things to kind of clear your stress or harm. So those are the, the options. Um, but what are we thinking, team? Um, just I think it makes sense that uh, the fourth estate fuse just continues to remain ticked. Um, yeah. yeah. Especially just given that scene with the press. And I think that's just more interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's also it doesn't really it it doesn't like affect you negatively until it go, gets all the way full. You know what I mean? So you definitely yeah. have time before you have to worry about that. But I also like that narratively. 
Um, and you can pick one. You can like for the upgrading the ship, for example, you could do that twice. You know what I mean? You don't have to only do that once. You could yeah. use multiple moves on that. I think I would love to hear everybody's thoughts. I think the mission is proving more physically dangerous than some of us anticipated. <laughs> and so like having the auto dock surgery in Ooh. suite might be useful. Mm. Uh, I also think shit's been crazy and we're running into like stealth systems and like we need to figure out like why the contra matter is disappearing. So like a research lab could be very helpful and useful also. So, so you're voting two upgrades. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm, I, I think that, that what makes the most sense is either individual upgrades or ship upgrades right now. Cause I think, yeah. The ship's new enough and our reputation is new enough that we don't need to spend it on that. So we might as well get it in. I think that research and autodoc are like autodocs, like helping us stay alive. Research is like helping us solve the mission. And then any of the combat stuff, whether that's stealth or targeting computers or lasers or missiles or plasma can any of that yeah. could be helpful since we have now encountered a hostile enemy ship, mm. which means that we could encounter another hostile enemy ship. Yeah, I will say also that for things like the targeting computer right now, the the Valiant doesn't have any weapon systems on it. So I think unless you add one of those, you wouldn't be able to use the targeting computer. So before we get a targeting computer, we need like lasers or railguns or something. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I like Autodoc and I, I really do like Research Lab. Um, but given that like we, they just had the drop on us in the mine. um stealth seems like a priority in my mind to avoid detection at this point i know that we're like a diplomatic mission mm-hmm. and so it might seem odd that we have uh stealth capabilities in some sense but in another sense it's like oh we're also a diplomatic uh, envoy and could probably use some stealth yeah i actually think stealth i mean it's more it's it's less offensive outright mm-hmm. than like putting a giant plasma cannon on there right yeah. Yeah. one thing i'll say about the stealth systems and some other upgrades though is that so you get two up you can use up to two of your ship payment moves to do upgrades on the ship but some of these upgrades or modules is what they're called require more than one upgrade point to get right yeah. so the stealth systems actually requires three to get it so you could start like investing mm-hmm. in that and putting one on that but you wouldn't get um, access to that ability until you have uh, all three of those ticked off so i i was looking through kind of the basic um up like if we did a personal upgrade just looking at the gear and stuff like that um but you know hearing what everyone's saying i think i agree that we should probably invest both in the ship upgrades um i'm cool with investing one in stealth um and kind of like if i had to explain it narratively it's like we realize there's a quote ghost ship on the loose and so we're yeah. like hey morris or Shaw, I guess he prefers to be called. Hey, Shaw, <laughs> um, like we're going to need some stealth if we're going to face off. And he's like, all right, I'm looking into it. And it takes a while to like get us that. Mm-hmm. Then mm. like, I like that. Well, Mike, you get the final call. So um, I'll turn it over to you. What are you thinking? Um, I think auto dock is an easy lock. And okay. I'm going to click that one. And yep. I think uh, one upgrade token or uh, upgrade point into the stealth systems. Okay, cool. So yeah, go ahead and check that off. Um, so yeah, so the auto dock. Um, so what this says is an auto dock can treat simple injuries or wounds, and when you get surgery in the auto dock, it heals the "I'm hurt bad" tag. So normally you'd have to, if you didn't have the auto dock, you'd have to go back to Ascension 
and use one of your personal kind of take the personal upgrades option instead and and use that to get healed um now instead you can just get back to the the valiant and uh get patched up so there you go um and then the stealth systems like i don't know if i want to play that out quite yet but i think it's like oh you've told them about uh what you saw and they're kind of starting the investigation of what that looks like so kind of looking into that all right so i think at this point i want to cut to arno and now that kind of you're getting settled in on ascension or on the valiant uh what is arno up to arno is uh dreading uh, a call at this point and just trying to keep busy um you know he's got he's got to give uh mm-hmm. an update uh, dreading's a strong word Arno is uh, displeased with the fact that what was otherwise going to be a very good report uh, on a successful mission is marred by what just happened with the press. And uh, I don't think he's afraid that he's going to get like chewed out or anything to that effect. He just like has a sense for how these conversations go and isn't too keen on like focusing on the fact that like he messed up here. Yeah. And is this a call with Mendoza is what you're talking about or who are, who are yeah, you I think, to? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like okay. he's got to give a mission update. He hasn't had the chance to like sit down and like give an update in quite a while. We've been pretty busy with training and then travel to Consus, and there wasn't a lot of privacy on the first ship. And you know, I think the thing that he's particularly happy about with the Valiant is like it looks like there's finally like space. Yeah, um, as it were. And uh, anyway, that, that that's it. He's got to give a long update at this point. Yeah, so I think I want to kind of just cut in in the middle of that. But where is if Arno is going to give this update to Mendoza? Where is he doing that from? Um, I imagine he's trying to find like a secure room with like a secure line. I'm sure that there's some diplomat who has like an office somewhere for like exactly these things or some milk or some Republic outpost or something for like exactly this kind of thing. And um, on Ascension Station. And that's what he's looking for. Okay, so I think you find like another kind of comms room that's somewhere in the uh, Republic complex there. And I think it's kind of like any of your slates can connect to the Ascension network. And so to the extent that you can get a connection back to earth, you'd be able to do that. But, I, but it's also like, Oh, you have this space for the privacy. Cause I, you know, and, and I think yeah. in this case in particular, having the, the kind of security to know that people aren't listening in on you. Yeah. Um, has Arno like told Mendoza about the Minerva project mission? Like what's really going on here? Like what's he kind of told her so far before you left earth? Yeah. I think if, uh, I think Arno had the opportunity to talk to Mendoza and did in fact reveal like what this mission is. Okay. Um, and, uh, I, I think like for everyone else's benefit here, like when someone says like something is a top secret and not to share that, like Mendoza is very much like not in, as far as like Arno is concerned here, like part of that exclusion at any point in time. Gotcha. Okay. But like, but not, not, not FSOC, just Mendoza. Yeah. Yeah. The, the prayer candles. Right. Exactly. Apply here. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So I think I think we kind of just cut in in the middle of the conversation. We kind of see the camera panning over Arno in this like otherwise darkened sort of comms this phone room where you're illuminated by the screen that's showing Mendoza on it. And I think we just kind of cut in and she says, so anything new on Shaw? What's he been up to since he arrived? Well, he gave us a ship. Hmm. Yeah, I did a little digging on my end about that. Saw a transfer of a ship to Ascension. The Valiant? Any idea what it was before? Hmm. She kind of leans back in her chair and says, uh, not that you 
had any occasion to learn of this, but the Valiant um, and its captain, Alba, bad news. She uh, avoided a court-martial after President Lee took over, but back in the war, Alba went against orders during the blockade at Lucina. Apparently got a bunch of people killed. I'll send you the file when I can on her. Hmm. A shame. Looks like they uh, did a once-over on it and took anything that would have been useful out of it. Probably for the best. You know, we wouldn't want uh, Shaw running around with anything too destructive. Fair. I saw some video of your diplomacy. <clears throat> you did. I think she kind of smiles, but then she says, don't be so hard on yourself, Lieutenant. I, for one, quite liked it. Ma'am? Arno's <laughs> genuinely surprised to hear that. Yeah. She kind of leans back and says, Evelyn Lee, the Minerva Project, everyone out on Ascension... They've all gotten used to letting Aventine and the rest of the Verge kind of walk all over them. And that's allowed the space for whatever it is that Shaw is up to out there. If Evelyn Lee really does want unity, well, you're not going to change direction just by keeping the same tack. It's good to have someone out there who's willing to stir the pot. Arno's not a typically nervous or disarmed person, but mm. to this, Arno's going to pull out a, a protein bar and just like start stressing like a bite of this, and just like rip it off and not really paying attention <laughs> to it. Just like something to do as he's like processing. Just like, yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm relieved that you like it, but um, I'm sure there's going to be some blowback over here that I'm going to need to deal with. Maybe, but I think the most important thing is to keep our eye on the prize. Whatever Evelyn Lee is up to, whatever people think of your involvement in the mission, mm. either way, we need to stay focused on Shaw and what he might be doing out there. I get the sense that he thinks he's above everything else that's happening, and I can see this being messy as a result. If you asked him whose side he was on, I'm sure he'd give you an answer to the effect of, I'm on everyone's side, or I'm on humanity's side, or I'm not on any side, or something to that effect. And I think that might get in the way of this investigation. She kind of gets quiet and says, I've run into a lot of personalities during my time in the fleet and during the war. A lot of people, when you really got to know them, you could come to understand what motivated them, what was their drive it was the people who thought that they were above it all that they knew what was best those were the ones who were the most dangerous keep your eyes open lieutenant all right so i think we cut away and at this point i want to go to leela um so what's leela up to um, yeah, I think she would prefer to get settled into her new space and then maybe kind of have that level of privacy. Um, cause I'm not yeah. sure where they're staying on the station, but I think that the ship may just feel more home like. Gotcha. So if it's kind of half, um, like if you're kind of half moved in at this point, what's, what does that look like? So I think. Leela has started to kind of p- 
put some stuff on the walls. She is not a fan of just like blank walls. So she's going to very meticulously put up um, some artwork. It's not all hers. In fact, it's probably mostly not her own. Um, it's just um, posters or kind of prints that, that she's kind of brought with her. Um, and probably just for the sake of travel, they're on the smaller size, smaller side, um, size wise. And so she's started to kind of put those up on the walls just to, to get some color. Uh, yeah. So what is uh, Leela up to in her room then? So uh, since we're on Ascension Station and we can actually make calls, Leela's going to give Mickey a call, her mentor. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think, again, we kind of like with Arno's scene, we kind of cut in, in in the middle of that. So how did the conversation kind of start? I just want to get your description of how that went. Yeah, I think it started out with, um, you know, Leela had promised Mickey that she would call her when she could. So mm-hmm. she's just kind of exchanging pleasantries and just trying to keep things surface level, maybe, you know, briefly talking about the PR fiasco, um, but, you know, not really digging into any deep topics gotcha i think then maybe as the conversation goes on um i think at some point mickey kind of takes the opportunity to say leela you know i can always tell when you're holding back from me something's bothering you bothering's a strong word i've just been thinking thinking about what I knew things would be different in The Verge, obviously. I knew there would be different places and different technology, but I think it's more than that. How so? Life is different out here. At home, on Earth, it's it's easy. There's no struggle for survival. And here, I see struggle every day. I see people fighting for basic rights. I see power imbalances and corporations and control. I I spoke to some workers at a mine on, on Consus. I've just never spoken to people who had that glint in their eye. It's it's different. Yeah, I think Mickey pauses for a minute and then she says Back during your apprenticeship, when you were here with me working with Paolo, confidence was always your strong suit, Leela, even when you faced a new challenge. Isn't this just another challenge to face? So I just want to say when she is talking and she says the word or the name Paolo, um, Mm. Leela's just going to kind of, I think she was already a little... Um, stiff during this conversation. Uh, She doesn't really like to open up, Uh, but at the sound of Paolo's name, she like, I think visibly kind of clenches her jaw and maybe like, I think it's even, it's perceptible on the call probably to Mickey that she kind of reacts, but then she's, she's not really going to say anything about that. And she's just going to respond to, to the rest of it. I think she's just going to say, I think I'm I'm good at what I do, understanding people's motivations and helping them 
see what's inside. But it seems like life out here, it, it changes what people find important. It's just different. Well, maybe the answers you need, if you're trying to find them out in the world, maybe that's not the fastest way. Did you think about trying to find them in the landscape? I think Leela is kind of, I think a bit taken aback. <laughs> um, and so I think she's just mm-hmm. going to say, of course, they would be in the, Honestly, Mickey, I I didn't think about going into the landscape. I don't know. I feel like I don't know enough. I need to learn. Well, make some time for yourself, Leela. With a new challenge, there's certainly opportunity there, but you have to know where you're at before you can know where to go. I know where I'm at. So what is Mara up to at this point? So um, I think the last thing that just happened is she asked for a kind of a tour of the ship to, yeah. of course, acquaint herself with all the nooks and crannies so that she could uh, more thoroughly understand uh, the where she's going to be spending the next X amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, She's walking around and there's definitely something that feels very different about this ship. And I think she's like, as she's walking around the halls, you know, she starts out and she's kind of very upset because of the the whole like flaming wreckage that appears to be the trajectory of this mission that she has set her life, you know, like apart aside and go yeah. off into space. And um, and I think she's just kind of walking around and and looking and and reflecting on what has brought her to this kind of this very strange predicament that she's found herself in and how it's very unplanned. And I think she's kind of just wandering around and eventually ends up back at the at the bridge. Okay, so I think the bridge sort of describing that when you walk through the doors sort of to the left and the right, there's several consoles and screens along its side. And there's maybe like three seats on each side, kind of lining the, that row of consoles or seats in the center of the room. There's a kind of round, slightly elevated platform. That's uh, mostly surrounded by a handrail. So this is a sort of place where someone could stand to look out the front of the ship. Um, But as you kind of move in and take in the sights, you see directly at the front of the bridge, slightly recessed into the floor and sort of right up against the glass is the pilot seat. So taking this all in, what does Mara do? So, yeah, I think she just heads to the pilot seat and I think she's like, okay, like, like here I am. And like, and just kind of sits down. Okay. And she is reminded of the first time she was acquainted with flight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think we should do a flashback here then. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think we see then, as you kind of sit down in the 
in the chair and you look up and kind of look at the both out the glass but also at the kind of screens and gauges mm-hmm. and other things that surround the seat right i think well at this point i just want to interject i think she looks up and she's like modulars much better yeah, yeah. okay i like that mm-hmm. so we kind of cut away then and see a much younger mara so well at the time if you're talking about the first time that mara kind of experienced flight how old was mara yeah. for this i think she's she's like uh she's like eight okay yeah it's a very young mara um yeah. and okay i think we see you walking down a row of crops at your uncle's farm back on earth mm-hmm. and do you want to describe what the farm looks like for us i think there's two ways of seeing it um that'll become mm-hmm. clear one is like right like you're describing okay she's she's walking and you can see there's maybe like court over here there's some you know like the what is it the three sisters over there there's you know uh different different stuff growing um but there's also like interspersed there's different kind of like large patches of almost forestry um okay. and definitely different like almost like small ecosystems that have been built up around so what you see as you're walking things seem very distinct but from the air, things look very, very different. Yeah. And so I guess like where you are right in the second, like where Mara's walking through, what's what's kind of growing around her, what she's seeing? Yeah. Again, I, I think it's like um, you know, maybe uh like a more traditional, like actual like plowed farmland. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it it doesn't all look like that, right? Like I described. So I think I yeah, think you're absolutely. you're right. There's like maybe like some some wheat, um, um, and then you know like long stalks of stuff. And then if you can see, you know, behind her, there's more uh, patches of you know like vegetable-y, uh small garden type stuff. Gotcha. And how did Mara end up on the farm today? Like like why are you there? Uh, I think this is uh very early into her like summer recreation time. Um, and so like whatever schooling looks like in the future that is let out for a predetermined amount of time for, um, childlike proclivities. I don't know for, uh, stuff like that. So I think she has been shipped off to her uncles, uh, out in the, uh, like Latvian countryside. Um, and I think right now, so she's like trying to figure out her setup. Because Lord knows, even though her uncle is like a backwater, you know, whatever, she's still going to have her gadgets and her gizmos and her to run her algorithms and to design and kind of like play around with um, her her tools. Yeah. What eight year olds do for fun. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, uh, right. Yeah. So I think um. she's, she's on the way <laughs> and she's looking and she knows that her uncle like has like like a server room somewhere, actually. And so I oh, think she's she's trying to figure out where he's like hiding the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I like that. So I, I think as you're kind of, you know, and I think maybe you've been looking for a bit, so it's yeah. kind of like the pace has slowed at this point. And she's just like kind of she's like, like walked into a shed and she's like, nothing but hose here. And yeah, then yeah. whatever. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, you're I think you're back um so, sort of walking outside and you noticed that, and I think we, you had talked about walking by like some wheat or some stalks, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're kind of just walking by, but you start to notice that every 
like 10 or 20 plants that you walk by, you see one that's kind of like shriveled or dying. Mm -hmm. And just, I think compared to the way that modern agriculture works in the 23rd century, this seems totally out of place to you. Yeah. I think it's a big eye roll of like inefficient. Yeah. Um, Are you doing anything to like look at it or are you just kind of like, oh, this is par for the course? Yeah. I I don't think the crops really truly capture her attention. Um, I think that, you know, she might see it and kind of roll her eyes and think, oh, yeah, it's just crazy Uncle Ernest's just doing whatever he does in the field with his kooky plants. So after a few moments, you hear a rustling further down the row. And then walking up to you, we see Mara's uncle. Um, so do you want to describe what your uncle looks like for us? I think he's just like average height, um, maybe slightly more muscular than you might see in the average man because he like works the field in the way that people really don't anymore. Um, you know, he's dirty, um, <laughs> but it would be weirder if he was clean, frankly. Um, And I think he's just wearing like classic denim overalls and then uh, like a light uh, long, like a thin long sleeve shirt underneath to like protect his arms from the sun. And he's got a big old floppy straw hat. Yeah. So I think he kind of walks up and says, when I agreed to watch you, I didn't think that you'd be messing with my crops, Mara. And kind of has a grin. Well, when I agreed to come out here, I assumed there'd be more interesting things to do. (laughs) Um, He kind of laughs and he walks up and I think walks by one of the shriveled stalks and kind of puts it between his fingers and says, well, maybe this could be interesting. What do you think happened here? A weird... Old man uses an inferior product. Maybe, but uh, is there anything that we can do to fix that other than replacing the weird old man? Well, you could grow it in a temperature-controlled room, monitor the nutrients and proper hydration, but she's going to just like look around and like gesture at everything. Why mm. you want to do it outside, I don't know. <laughs> Humans have been growing things here for thousands of years, Mara, and things have been growing here on their own for millions before that. Do you really think we need, well, everything you just said for that to work? We deforested three quarters of the globe. Why are you paying homage to people who destroyed nature? Just because there is a modern way. That doesn't mean that's the only way, and it doesn't mean that the alternative is repeating our past mistakes. What we have here, the plants, the earth, us, it's all part of a a bigger system, Mara. And when you stare at something too closely, well, you can't always make out the patterns. I think he kind of pauses for a second and then says, come on, I want to show you something maybe a little more interesting. Fine. So I think you kind of start walking back toward the the farmhouse and the buildings and maybe the shed that you were kind of looking through to find the 
the servers or, or whatever you're uh sort of mar was trying to find and eventually he takes you out to the back kind of behind uh the main structures there and you see a large rectangular building kind of with what looks like a giant garage door on the front of it and uh your uncle kind of walks up and presses a button to the side of the door which slowly rises up to reveal a very old propeller powered airplane um and so mara do you want to describe that for us yeah um so anyone who is like me and is doesn't understand descriptions uh from like when people describe worlds and whatnot uh Mm -hmm. you can go ahead and look up an antonov am2 but if you understand what a biplane is it's like the classic like crop dusting looking uh airplane and there are like some slight modifications to it uh, I think at this point it's more of like a, a thesis ship type um, mm-hmm. airplane. Um, of course, I think like some safety features have probably been upgraded and, uh, you know, like things have been replaced here and there. But I think the the structure is is more or less intact. So it's yeah, it's it's a biplane. It's got the, the two um, two wings, double wings, um, the wheels, all of that. Uh, and right now it's just painted um, like kind of uh, like a it's like a faded green to call it painted seems like intentional. And this thing has seen like at least the uh, the paint has seen better days. Yeah. So at this point, uh, we see your uncle kind of walk up to the plane and start walking along the kind of fuselage. Yeah. And he begins pulling out various pins that have these like rectangular red yeah. ribbons attached to them. And just kind of walking around the plane, pulling these out. And what's, yeah. how, so, how's Mara reacting so to I seeing think, this? I, I'm, she's like, I think she's going to be like, I understand you have an extensive antique collection, but it seems weird to um, remove things from it. This is just getting it ready to fly, Mara. The, in the air? That can't be legal. Look, Mara. There's no way this thing runs on hydrocarbons, and it, it's you, the to purchase the carbon offsets to put this thing in the air, and you probably have to get some sort of health screening. And Lord knows you haven't seen a doctor in so many years. That this is preposterous. I'm not going up in that. He he laughs and says, "I take care of myself, but." If you don't want to go, that's your prerogative. But Mara, if you if you really want to understand what's going on, sometimes the best way is to get some distance and then take another look for yourself. No one ever found the truth by being scared. Mm. I think just maybe with you making that <laughs> noise, I think we yeah. cut back and we see you sitting in the pilot's seat back on the bridge of the valiant and in your left hand we see a keychain that has one of those red ribbons on it that he was pulling out from the plane i think she'll just she'll just kind of like repeat like the last thing you said too like no one no one ever learned anything being scared yeah
Hey there, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you're enjoying Worlds Away so far and you know someone who has similar refined and sophisticated tastes, please go ahead and recommend us. If you have no friends, you can also help the show by rating and reviewing us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you use to listen to podcasts. Additionally, give us a shout out on whatever social media platform you swear you're going to quit this year. If you want to say hi, you can also find us on most platforms at Worlds Away Pod or online at worldsawaypod.com. Thanks again for listening. And now back to your episode. So Arno and Nasir Leela, anything from uh, any other scenes that you want to do? Yeah, I think Leela wants to find Nasir and talk to him. Okay. Where is Nasir at then after he returned from meeting with Mateo? So I think after he returned from meeting with Mateo, um, he comes back to the ship. Like he's not going to want, I'm not going to want to be anywhere in the city. And I'm yeah. going to want to be someplace where I can exhaust myself. Uh, So like, whatever the equivalent of like uh, a gym space on the ship is like, where, where do we think that is that of the rec room? Is that in the vehicle bay? Like where I think we described this at one uh, point, yeah. but I c- can't quite remember. I remember us talking about the vehicle bay for some reason. And that that might've been us. Now that you say that, you're now bringing back some recollection about their, Oh, maybe like making space in the vehicle bay for that. I think like, if there's a punching bag, can I have a mm. little bit of artistic license on this? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So please. I think you just see me in the vehicle bay, like going through the montage of like benching and, and then like doing the pull-ups and I'm like hitting the punching bag. Yeah. And I just sort of, it's like a half scream, half like grunt. And I hit the bag and you can see like behind, like w- there's no one, behind me and like the bag swings and like when it swings back uh Leela has like made her way down the ladder uh and is yeah. just like st- sort of standing there out of shot yeah so Leela you're down in the in the vehicle bay and seeing this year kind of working himself to the bone I think just a small point I Leela would not take the ladders she would use the elevator <laughs> they got it she's yeah. in the, she hit, the lift has come down and Leela is there yeah. So I'm just gonna kind of look up and see Nasir, I guess, just punching at the punching bag. And just gonna say, Nasir, are you okay to talk? Uh, uh of course. Um how can I be of assistance, Miss Malik? And I just kind of look around and, and I like try to find a place to sit, so I guess like on the weight bench. Um and mm-hmm. I'm just gonna sit down and and say so i just want to know you lived on aventine for years life is different in the verge i i see that can you tell me what it was like for a second uh i'm going to be taken aback uh my Mm. eyes are going to go a little wide because i this of all moments from all people in the world like galaxy this was not what i was expecting in this exact second um, yeah. And then I'll sort of like my shoulders will sort of relax. Um, you're right. Life is, is 
very different in The Verge. Life here is hard. It is a challenge to pursue the things that you want. There are limits to the opportunities that are available. I've mentioned this before, but but never turn down what you can use. That really is, you know, the way to operate. But it is a a beautiful free existence that you can't quite find in the Republic. I understand wanting a challenge, but I don't I don't see freedom. I see struggle. You're not wrong that there is struggle and challenge in The Verge that prevents people from having the things that they need. In fact, they fought a war about it. (laughs) Um, I think when I talk about the freedom of The Verge, I mean that in the Republic, there is a way to do everything. There is an answer for every question. And in The Verge... The answers are the ones you pick. The right choice is the choice that you make because you made it. There is beauty to that and there is freedom in it, but it comes with struggle. I think life in The Verge is uh, full of contradictions uh, and the hard part is often separating what struggles come from the decision to live across the galaxy and make humans an interstellar species and which struggles come from greed and corruption and selfishness. This is a place where we have to still figure that out. So Mar and Arno, anything with you two? So we just got Leela and Nasir. I mean, I, I think that... Um uh, unless Mike has another idea. I think that, like, Arno finds her in the cockpit, so to speak. Oh, interesting. Just still sitting. So maybe you've been sitting there for yeah. a bit then after the flashback. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I kind of like that. Uh, yeah, I walk in with a, with a notepad. I'm doing this analog. This is I'm okay. writing down, just taking notes, things on the ship. How do you react, Mara, to seeing Arno walk in the room? I think she doesn't. I think she's, like, in, like, a, like a strangely, like, wistful state. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So I think she just it, it like examines him. Uh, I'm gonna go about my business. I'm just taking notes, looking at different dials and things, and sort of like keeping my own uh, little diagram um, of sorts, and just keeping note, of, uh, just uh, taking stock of where things are um, at this point, uh, and including including at this point also a note: uh, Mara in cockpit, pilot question mark. So Mara's gonna see Arno like, furiously scribbling. Mm. Uh huh. Um, and ask him, Heinz, can you tell me the largest squadron of individuals you have had direct command over? Mm. Uh, and Arno's really thinking about this. That's classified. <laughs> oh. God damn it. Fucking got me. Had it again. <laughs> okay. In response to that, I think she's going to stand up and like 
like grip the back of the chair and mm-hmm. look at him and say, keep my name and Jenison's name out of your fucking mouth the next time you decide to open it and just walk away. Ooh. <laughs> so I think I think I want to end with like though you walk away, but Arno's still in the bridge. So what does Art like? What does Arno look like having this happen, or what does Arno do next? I don't think his uh, facial expression changed at any point. Just taking notes um, at that point. Uh, two notes. Just um, another. Yeah. Keep Belova and Genesis <laughs> out of mouth, and then follow. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's the first oh. note. What's the second note? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, following with <laughs> needs press practice. Yes. <laughs> Holy fuck. Okay. I think after that, I want to do one more scene. And Mike, I know that, that you had mentioned this to me outside the session that you wanted to look into some stuff that you learned at the last mission. So I, I wanted to give you some space to mm-hmm. do that. Um, so what are you, what are you thinking well, of? Now that Mara's stormed off, uh, and had previously agreed to join me on this fact finding mission, uh, Arno is going to <laughs> send a text as if that exchange didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> this is what? great. We, we, we had talked about this. Um, we had talked about you giving her like, like Arno asked for a second chance and then shit himself in front of the entire <laughs> fucking verge. And then Mara like is trying again to olive branch with you and have a fucking conversation and you act like a right old prick. I don't know what you're going to tell her, but good luck, man. Uh, yeah. Four words for four words, four, four words? words in a text. Still want to investigate? Question mark. Send, and then I'm going to start walking off the ship. Yeah. Red eighteen like forty two. So I I think we just kind of see Arno like looking at your phone. I I, I want to like kind of cut in the middle yeah. of this. So it's like I think we see you like looking at your phone, just see that it's still red, no response, and just kind of put the the slate away. But what what is Arno looking like? What are you looking into, and what are you doing to look into? Yeah. It? So the thing that strikes me is um problematically unresolved at all this point is um mm-hmm. the transition on consus uh between the administrations was very abrupt so yeah arno's objective here is uh to start looking into why the administrator w- was taken off abruptly and learn a little bit more about that situation yeah so i think it's time to go ahead and roll scope it out I am so glad that I gave myself a plus one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 11. 11. All right. Awesome. So scope it out. When you take time or use. I'm sorry. It's It's a really efficient fuel source. Um, So scope it out. When you take time or use sensitive equipment to closely study an object situation or person. Well, plus calculating. On a 10 plus, your investigation pays off and you can ask three questions from the list. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm reading through the, the, the list right now. Um, yeah. And oh, this is not great. So I guess um, what should I be on the lookout for? Okay. 
Oh man, these are just really open to interpretation. Some, some ways, I'm I'm just like talking yeah. as I go. So it's like, okay, great. Uh, who or what is not is what they seem is also like pretty close in my mind to like who's really in control here, which I like. But uh, who or what is not mm-hmm. is as as what they seem. I'll take as my second one. And okay, yeah. No, you know what? I'm gonna skip that one. How can I best end this quickly? And who or what here could be a useful opportunity? Okay, that's what I'll take. And by how could I best end this quickly? I guess like what specifically? Do you, like what did you have in mind? Yeah, how can I find Administrator Sayid as quickly as possible? Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think yeah. Okay, I like that. I think you do find her then. I think we see like Arno back at the docks, and I think it's maybe like someone steps away from like a podium or something there or some like kind of console and you like grab a slate that has like a manifest or some kind of uh information about ships coming into ascension right and you are able to track down sort of when she came in and i think that she had to put a residence or a location where you're staying on ascension to kind of get through the the sort of customs or sort of screening to get onto the station I think then we like we see Arno on the stakeout and the camera kind of cuts back and forth between a close up of your face and your eyes narrowing Arno and we see the former administrator administrator Said walking up to and opening a door and as the door closes the camera pans back and we see lettering on the wall of the building that she just walked into. And it says, Consulate General, Commonwealth of Aventine. <laughs>